I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Strip-Till Farmer Podcast Series. In today's program, we share some perspective on field conditions strip-tillers might expect during harvest in the aftermath of a challenging spring planting season. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy matters, and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping, to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4-hour nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, with spring planting in the rearview mirror, farmers and manufacturers are turning their attention to fall harvest to get a quality crop out of the ground and into the grain bin. But with some farmers planting into less than ideal conditions, what should they account for in terms of potential compaction this fall? At the 2019 Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois, we caught up with several manufacturers and farmers to get their advice on how strip tillers can remedy compaction problems and put their soils in the best shape for the following spring. In today's Strip Till Farmer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversations and start with observations from Andy Thompson from Yetter Manufacturing and Iowa strip tiller Dave Nelson on what conditions farmers and customers in their areas are expecting this fall. I had somebody from Wisconsin yesterday, in fact, I mean, and they were talking how much, how many ruts they've got from last fall, and then they had PP this year, and so they still haven't been able to get in there to address them until now they're getting ready to finally. So, I mean, the, you know, all year it's been had water standing and, and things like that. They've never done strip till. They're looking at going to strip till, but that was their question: is, is how do we address the ruts, you know, first? And I, I think that there's perhaps some people that are going to probably address them ruts, maybe not the best way. It's just what they've got. So I've got a disc ripper, and I haven't used it for a year, for a year, few years, but now I'm going to, you know, go out there and use that, as opposed to, you know, inline ripping. I think that that's probably something that certainly, if I was a manufacturer of an inline ripper, I mean, I would be out there right now, really pushing that hard. That hey, this is the tool, you know, that we need to be using, not disc rippers or or whatever it may be. Yeah. I was at our local John Deere dealer yesterday, just driving to the yard. You never see inline rippers in their yard. They have a brand new one. Inline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To where it's like, yep. I mean, it's exactly to your point. Sure. Yeah. Any any other tools you guys are either recommending to customers? general and Brokaw we're getting the buzz back or the questions back about strip till mm-hmm. guys are far enough into this no margin low margin farming economy that mm-hmm. strip till is becoming another conversation again when we did it five eight years ago it was about fuel costs and all that and now it's about no margin and so how do i become more efficient mm-hmm. as well as 
cover crop and strip tills have been here long enough. I mean, so cover crops catching on and the whys. The preventative planting has given guys more of an opportunity to put cover crop out there, learn how to strip till in it this fall and things like that. But the conversation about strip tills. Adoption. I mean, we did talk to quite a few guys yesterday uh, about that, that they have implemented or they are implementing the cover crops or getting that more. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there for that. Um, but um, not, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, certainly the tracks, like I had mentioned, um, you know, is, is something a lot of people are looking at. But I think one of the issues we're going to see is, is, so if it's going to be a late harvest, really, I mean, I, I guess, you know, my, my recommendation would be is to, you know, we've got to wait and see after harvest and look and see what our uh, compaction issues are and then address them and the problem is is that's going to be in november and december and and so now you can't address those or or we probably won't be addressing those so now what are we going to do or what can we do next spring which is is never a good time to be uh, addressing your compaction issues yeah that was going to be my question is, are, are a lot of people going to potentially run out of time again this so, fall so. you know and, and you know it was so wet last fall that I don't know. How, how do you how so, do you advise people? So it takes you into. So. We had a, a heavy workload spring this spring. I mean, we're setting ourselves up already to have that again Absolutely. next spring. So we're bringing up the products like the strip freshener, things like that. That usually everything tries to get done in the fall for the most part. I mean, I'm talking maybe too much northern Iowa, but we're teaching guys how to do things now more in the spring than we ever have before. Usually it's done in the fall, and now guys are happening to do it in the spring because they can't get it done in the fall. Whether it was mud last year or it's probably going to be froze this year potentially. Yeah, so well, that's interesting because I think uh, I'm very curious. We've seen a little bit of a shift with kind of the strip till benchmark study of guys who, you know, do you come back and refresh strips in the spring? You know, I think we saw a little bit of a bump this year. It'd be interesting if we see more of a bump next year. Well, I think we certainly saw at the strip till conference a lot more people talking about spring strip till. Um, wanting to be they're more interested in spring strip till because it, I mean uh, just a couple short years ago we were talking everybody was saying I want to get it done in the fall because I don't have time in the spring well now people are realizing that you know you don't you don't get to say so whether you have time in the, in the fall or not in the spring you do I mean obviously we don't want to delay planting but that, that's, that's the reason why if we're gonna do something in spring it's got to be fast it's got to be efficient can't be taking a, long, a lot of time a lot of setup and prep or anything like that so I think at strip till conference a lot of guys were interested in looking at that and we're seeing that here too. I mean, uh, yesterday here at the Farm Progress Show, I mean, we saw uh, a huge interest in the strip fresheners. Of course, I mean, it helps when we have a nice bar set up, you know, out there that people can see. But there was a lot of interest in that yesterday. And I think too, being able to shift things more to the spring, it's also taught guys. We'll, I think we'll see the yields this spring, putting the nutrients on the spring versus in the fall. Yeah. We're teaching them the value of nutrient management when it comes to water quality, nutrient reduction, and things like that. I mean, to where. Mother Nature is helping us, forcing us to learn spring management do you of think, our tillage and nutrients. Do you think that's a, a shift or a trend we'll continue to see? Because you mentioned, you know, obviously, yeah. and, and that, I think that bears out that, you know, majority of strip tillers are going to look to try to get those built in the fall, maybe get a little fertilizer down and then, you know, kind of be ready to go in spring. Um, but that's, you know, a little bit of a change in mindset because you're obviously kind of thinking about then, okay, well, what? You know, how much? What am I going to put on the planter for guys? Maybe they would try to get away from that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we and, and with the, the, the margins, the lack of margins that we're having like that, I mean, 
that Jack be nimble and, and being ready to to change on the fly or whatever there. I think this year in Western Illinois, anyway, it proved really important for us that you know, being able to switch some acres, um, be able to go in small windows, whatever, was, was a huge asset for us. Right, yeah, you almost have to have that versatility now probably you to, you know, not bank on the fall window or the spring window, but, you know, you can prepare for either. And, yeah, and I mean, the guy that spent the fifty or 100000 to be nimble, to go either way, look at the crop he's got probably compared to the guy that, I don't want to spend 70000 I want to save well. The, the guy that spent is the one that got farther ahead. you got to invest in your operation. And it's not about the guys getting bigger being able to do that. It's just about that's the management that your operation needs, whether you farm a thousand or ten thousand. We also caught up with Bob Recker, owner of Cedar Valley Innovation in Iowa and National Strip Tillage Conference speaker. He shared some advice on tire pressure management to reduce the risk of compounding potential compaction issues. So the inflation thing for me is a huge convenient thing. It, get, it, it gets your time back because nobody wants to take the time to even check eight tires on a hill. I've only got four and I don't, don't take the time I should. The other epiphany I had from, uh, and this is kind of re more li related to the crop thing, I'd no-till planted into uh, a really nice field this year and there was a lot of damage in the field from a tracked combine and the grain carts that had run in the fall. And the epiphany for me was, wait a minute, you're out there harvesting and most people are thinking, I just got to get this stuff out of here and get going, you know, and let's get her done. But, and I'm also become kind of a cover crop fanatic, I guess. But if you, and this guy had flown on his cover crop and it was just starting. So you might look at the field differently when you're out there driving around thinking there's a very young, fragile crop that's just getting started. So it's not just get the corn out or beans out of there. It's okay, let's tread lightly and take it easy on this crop that we hope is going to grow through the winter and all that. So for me, that was that was a big deal. So in, in that circumstance, which is obviously what, you know, a lot of strip tiller or no-tillers are going to encounter, you know, because they want to get that cover sure. crop seeded. What, you know, what, what do they need to be conscious of and, and how do they avoid, you know, particularly, you know, if they're really up against the time window this fall. Yep, yep. And, and they didn't, you know, intercede or they didn't get established early, but, you know, they... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, well, the, the rutting, the rutting, and just high pressure. Get the pressure down. Take the pressure. <laughs> One of their things is take the pressure out of farming here. Uh, there's so much, there's so much to be gained, and it doesn't have to be the latest high-tech fancy tires. You can do more good. These folks have data that says you can do more good by running a conventional non-radial tire at the lowest feasible pressure than you can by having a, a expensive high-tech radial tire that's set up to run down the road that you didn't bother to set it down. So that's where I've become a fan of the central tire thing. It's it's so convenient and uh, and so you feel you feel better. You just feel better about running running light and, and you can feel it. it. It rides better and, and you don't have as much rutting. Uh, it's just a good thing. So. Um, Jack, this may sound trite, but my experience this spring, and this is the first year I've, I've dealt with really having control of tire pressure inflation. I always had it before, I just never took the time to exercise it. It's a little like cabs for, for your readers or listeners that remember before tractors had cabs, a lot of folks didn't think you ever needed them. 
but once you spend a day and it's kind of like well wait a minute this is the only way to go that's the way i feel about central tires kind of like wait a minute okay my car knows how much pressure is in each tire uh, with with two fingers and two minutes i can i can check the tire pressure and i can change it you know i can make it what it needs to be and that that for me is is pretty powerful because it's going to give me longer life on my tires and what i do and i do a lot of road work but everybody does a fair amount of road work and I don't have that compaction variable messing up my data in my in my independent research. So, so again, you you obviously work with a lot of no tillers, strip tillers. You you know you're in the practice. You know when you're thinking about um, you know your operation, the guys you're working with. You know what what are maybe you know one or two bits of advice. You know you mentioned the the inflation thing, but again. Because it's it's going to be critical, obviously, if they yep. want to get that cover established, they want to get those strips yep. made this fall. On, on you know making sure that they're being very conscious of those compaction concerns. Yeah. Uh, I, the tire pressure. <laughs> your little your little uh, pressure gauge is is the really important tool to have in the fall. The the little shovel to dig seed in the spring is really important, and the tire pressure gauge in the fall is is just critical. Uh, and I could say be mindful of the weather and soil conditions and all that, but people are going to harvest. They're just they're going to harvest. Right. I won't waste anybody's time saying wait till it's <laughs> wait till it's fit. So right. and there's probably going to be a lot of late harvest, and that's going to be pretty scary. But uh, and then the, so the weather will be a big variable. It's 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 a game. I don't I don't have all the answers. I'm sorry. No, Jack. no. Well, I mean, for, for your your you know setup. I mean, what what yeah. are you setting? You know, your your PSI. What are you kind of managing well, as far as of getting into the conditions if they're going to be a little a little wetter this fall or how you're able to get in there yeah. and make sure you're. Well, in my operation, okay, I I will uh, I know I'll take the time to set the combine pressure flow, and I don't have a big combine. It's mm -hmm. a, it's an old lighter. Old, old combine that I do my harvest with. I know I'll set it down. I know I'll set this, and I'll probably be running down in the 10, 12 PSI because I'm slow and all that. Uh, but then I dread the thought of reinflating the tires when I when I go home with it. Uh, this I'm sure will run down in the 10 PSI. My heartache is the gravity boxes that have these 70 and 80 PSI truck tires on them. I don't. I don't catch on the go. I park the wagons on each end, and it's like you know. I really wish I could lower the pressure because I got to go across the field with this wagon when it's full, and and yet I don't know whether I'll get that done or not because it's the time. It, it it's time. So uh, the beauty, you know the right thing to do, but then you gotta take time to do the right thing, and and that's where the systems and the tires that can run lower pressure are a real a real boon. Uh, one of the things these guys talk about is every time you go to the field, your tires are going to the field. So each time you're changing or equipment or whatever, or whatever, be mindful of the tire selection. Be mindful of what pressures you can run, and lower is almost always better. It just, yeah. it just is. So. We'll get back to our discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this podcast possible. I also wanted to remind you about a new series featured monthly on our podcast, Tech Tips with Dr. Ray Acevedo, where the former assistant professor of precision agriculture at Kansas State University and consultant for Topcon Agriculture shares insights and advice on some of the latest precision tools and how to best implement them on your operation. You can listen to past technology tips and also find accompanying articles at striptillfarmer.com. 
Let's get back to the program now and hear from Ryan Anderson, Aftermarket Sales Director for the Americas for CAMSO, on the outlook for track systems this fall and beyond. This is, uh, this is going to be a topic that's going to be fairly prevalent probably through next spring. It's certainly uh, with the, the challenges that I think we've all faced, that all farmers have faced across the board, you know, from the beginning of, uh, beginning of this year through, um, and I think what we're going to see through, you know, through harvest of this year is that everybody's kind of concerned with, and I guess this is more so for, for the industry as a whole, you know. It's about adding value with your with your equipment. How do you not only how do you get into the field, but you know what kind of impact are you going to have on it once you are in there? So I think you know with this spring and the amount of unplanted acres that we've seen, where you know with our take our trail track system for planters, um, for instance, usually we'll see kind of a run on those in your fall and winter seasons. Everybody kind of getting ready for next spring, but now. I think with the amount of unplanted acres and the, the amount of um, the prevalence that we saw with guys not being able to get into the fields, we've seen that we've seen that interest um, in track systems for planters kind of carry itself all the way through, you know, all the way through right now. Where usually guys are thinking about or really gearing themselves more towards harvest, where it's still really, really on the top of their minds. And to be honest with you, how could it not be when you're driving by and you're seeing, you know, unplanted acres? How often do we see that? Not very often, so I think it's really keeping everything, um, you know, with regards to compaction, I guess probably field mobility would have been the biggest issue this year. I think in, in years past, um, because we haven't had necessarily some of those issues of getting into the field for, for spring planting, not, not, not to the um, uh, extent that we did this year, you've seen more of a shift, um, especially when it comes to tracks. Um, where guys are looking at it more for a field compaction on what is it going to do to yields. Because I think every time, I think one thing that has been, has been overwhelmingly um, evident is everybody realizes every time you have contact with that field, every time you touch that field, there's a direct correlation to what your yields are, to what kind of productivity you're getting out of that. Now, I think this year it's shifted a little bit, like I've said, to kind of field mobility just get me in the field. You know, we'll deal with what comes once I'm in the field. But so I think um, just, you know, some of the things that we're doing on the track side, um, you know, you can see you know, from our booth, we, you know, we're talking about profit from the ground up. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to make that correlation of, um, you know, what type of effects does that compaction have? And so, you know, we're going through the studies and we've done this and, you know, the track manufacturer, the, the track tractor manufacturers have been doing this for, you know, several years with, you know, what kind of, what does compaction mean to your field? We're trying to go even more on a, uh, on a micro level to where, you know, we're running side-by-side -side tests to make sure, you know, and we really see that it, um, during the planting season is that that's when it probably has your biggest uh, impact especially for your yield and so we're seeing anywhere depending on parts of the depending on parts of the country but you know a track system on a planter versus a wheel system on a planter you know you can you can see up to five percent yield increases just because of those pinch rows and just because of what that compaction and, and I don't think that's surprising to anybody if you know if you've, if you've monitored you know what what types of impact you know going out into your fields has right it, it doesn't matter what 
if you're touching it with a track, if you're touching it with a tire, it's still having an impact. It's all about reducing that impact. So I think from the planter side, from, or from the planting side, you know, we've seen where track systems um, can be very beneficial, not only from a mobility standpoint, from a yield increase standpoint. Uh, we're see, also seeing it in the fall seasons now with our CTS or our conversion track systems, where, you know, again, I think this year, I mean, it's, it's a very weather-driven product. You know, on that, on that, uh, on our conversion track system, it has more to do with field mobility, which we talked about. But also, you know, you consider your your harvester, your combine is usually your heaviest piece, heaviest piece of equipment, so it's going to have a you know a larger effect. But you know, as as our as our planting season got stretched out, our spraying season got stretched out. Now our harvest season, we're going to see the same thing. We're going to see it get stretched out. So. We've actually seen a lot more interest and a lot earlier interest, I should say, in the conversion track systems for our combines because guys are, they're prepping themselves. They already know like, hey, what crop I can get out, I need to get out. And so it's, this has been kind of one of those weird years. It's actually been a good year for tracks just because of how the, how the weather has played out and how the farming practices and how the applications have played out. But again, you know, we've seen where Trax is, you know, from our perspective, has, has really moved away from just a pure mobility standpoint to overall condition, taking care of, you know, what is the, you know, what is the long-term plan with this piece of land, right? So how can I minimize my impact? How can I, you know, make sure that it's set up for, you know, success four or five years down the road, as opposed to how can I get in my field now? And finally, we share some comments from Chris Saunders, Territory Sales Manager with Zoidberg, North America, on penciling out tillage options for alleviating compaction this fall and into 2020. I would definitely see with the, with, with the late planting like it was, the tough conditions when, when it was wet, you probably did a lot of compacting just to get the crop into the ground. So I'd say it's probably still on their mind that they're thinking about it. Now if you end up running into a wet harvest time, when they need to get that crop out, they're really gonna be concerned about it because you still gotta get that crop out. And I think tracks are definitely something that somebody's gonna think about because it definitely limits your soil compaction. If you take a drone and you fly it up over the field that next year after you plant it, you'll be able to tell where you've driven every heavy piece of equipment. Where, where are you guys seeing the most potential for track systems at this point? Uh, you know, and I guess in the in the seasonal timeline of things, you know, where where is there either the most interest or the most opportunity? I would say historically down south, uh, like Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas area, it always seems to be wet for their rice harvest. I think there's always an opportunity for tracks there, but I mean, really, it's just wherever it's it's wet right now. Um, so. You mentioned the fact that you know it's it's going to be dependent on kind of how things go this fall, but obviously they're thinking about even in the next spring. You know, for some folks that might want to get in to the field, whether it's a strip till pass or seeding cover crops or you know any of those operations they want to get done before they run out of time in a lot of the states. You know, and, and winter sets in. Um, you know, is there again kind of going back to that potential? Uh, for you know looking at a, a track system whether you know even if it's not whether it's on the combine or the grain cart or thinking about whether you know there may be some residual damage you know in spring about uh, tracks on a planter or I would say for sure that you're going to see a return on the investment of on the tracks themselves sure. for the next year like what you're talking about 
next year you're going to see it. I mean, if you put the tracks on there, you're not going to tear your field up. You're going to have a better yield the next year. And I, sure, you can you can take and do some deep tillage, but you're still not going to get that soil back to where it was for a number of years, right. where the tracks will prevent having to do that. They're protecting your soil. Yeah, I've heard a few companies mention the fact that you know. Deep tillage may be an option for some guys this fall, where it's not something they would have typically done. Um, you know, particularly if you're you're in maybe a no-till environment. Are there other tools, you know, in your mind to maybe explore alternately than you know, kind of maybe going that route if if that's not something you would rather do? I guess a guy would have to really just look at it and pencil it out. I mean, you've got. You, you got a big expense to do that deep tillage. I mean, you're not covering a lot of ground. You're using a high horsepower machine to do it, where if you just spend the money on the tracks, I mean, you, you can see a night and day difference. You can see the ground flex when you have tires go over it on a grain cart or something like that, and it just floats across it on tracks. Well, thank you to everyone we visited with during Farm Progress, and again, We'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for helping make this strip-till farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip Till Strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. And a reminder that you can listen to past episodes at striptillfarmer.com. For the companies and farmers we chatted with, Topcon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening.